Good morning, everybody. Hey, how are y'all this morning? Yeah, looks a little different in here than it normally does, right? That's all right. Uh, as Kyle pointed out in the first service, uh, no matter where we're at, we got the ability to, to worship God and praise God, and we don't have to be confined just to one building to do it, and, and God's not confined to space or time. And just because uh, things happen and, and maybe we're restricted or isolated or whatever you want to call it, that that, that doesn't limit God. Uh, anyway, this morning uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. Uh, this whole past year, uh, if any of y'all were here last week or listened last week, I have been stuck on prayer for a while. Uh, I made the comment, I want to know Jesus like I know my wife, and uh, I started thinking about that and realizing I didn't know Jesus as well as I know my wife, Uh, so I started praying, and God has kept me there, and we're still talking about prayer, so uh, at least for the next year, maybe, uh, anytime I speak is probably going to be about prayer because God slowed me down and kind of said, Nick, you know, what would be so wrong if you spent a year in just prayer, just spending time with me, studying about prayer, looking at how people in the Bible prayed and what happened when they did. So last week I pointed out one thing to you, that prayer produces faith And what I should have said is prayer produces opportunities for faith because how many of you have prayed and God led you to do something or you felt this urge to do something or you felt God tapping on your shoulder and you didn't do anything? Because not only do you have to pray, but you got to act on your prayers for your faith to grow. Uh, So that's what we're looking at today. And there's two passages in Scripture that uh, one of them talks about getting up and one of them says get moving. So not only do you have to pray, but you got to do something about it. It takes action. That leads me uh, to a story. Like I said, I've been studying about prayer and that led me to the story about Moses uh, who is a well-known guy in the Old Testament. But Moses, uh, for those of you that don't know much about Moses, uh, God calls Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, hence where and why the name of the book of Exodus is called Exodus. They're exiting Egypt. But uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. So thinking about prayer and wanting to know Jesus like I know my wife, I've spent some time going through the Bible and looking at how people prayed and what happened when they did pray. But not what I started noticing was they prayed and then God gave them a command and their faith grew whether depending upon whether they acted on that or not. So Exodus... Chapter 14, verse 15 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. How many of you uh, know anything about this story? What What is God talking about? What is this story about? Well, they're about to cross the Red Sea because if you know anything about the book of Exodus, 
God sends these plagues on Pharaoh and the last plague happens and Pharaoh finally agrees to let the people go, his, the Israelites, the promised, people going to the promised land. He finally decides to let them go and at the beginning of chapter 14, why is God telling Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell people to get moving because God, the Lord, had already gave Moses instructions. He said, tell the people to march toward Phihiroth between Migdal and the sea. He hardened Pharaoh's heart again, and the Israel and Pharaoh said, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused because the shortest route from the promised land from Egypt is not going across the Red Sea. So Pharaoh was like, you know, these people are confused. They're dumb. They're going straight. They're going to be trapped. Well, God had already told Moses that, right? Well, if you go through the rest of the chapter, the people start to complain. And they're like, we'd rather be slaves than be out here in the wilderness. And Moses starts talking to them because they're like, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. And Moses tells the people, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians that see you today, will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You won't have to lift a finger in your defense. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Use your shepherd's staff and hold it out over the water and a path will be open before you through the sea. We know how the rest of the story goes. Moses holds up his rod and his staff and parts the sea and they walk through and then the Egyptians follow behind them and the sea walls close down and crush them and they make it to the other side. But what happened, what I noticed was Moses prayed and the Lord said, I've already given you something to do, you just got to do it. If we don't act on our prayers, how can our faith grow? I don't know what you're praying for, but if you don't do anything about it, then what good is it going to do? Yes, prayer, you know, is vital to our lives. Your time with God, because how do you build a relationship with somebody? You spend time with them, so prayers are is a way to spend time with God. But How often do you sometimes know what to do, but you pray for more guidance as an excuse or lack of faith because you don't want to move? It would be the same thing as, how many of you know who Tom Brady is? Uh, If those of you that watch football or know anything about football, or uh, um, Tom Brady, I don't really necessarily like Tom Brady, but you got to give him credit for what he's accomplished, right? He's won 42 Super Bowls or something like that. You know, I'm just kidding. He's really won six or seven, six, seven. Uh, How many of you remember about, if he keeps playing football, his son's going to be his wide receiver. He's been playing for like 
20 years. Uh, but y'all remember, I don't know, 20 years ago, about 20 years ago when he was first, he, and I think I saw this on TV or Facebook or something on social media where he put up a picture of him uh, entering the draft and everybody said, you know, he was out of shape, he was, didn't have any strength, didn't have any mobility, uh, he wasn't going to be much of anything. And people call him the greatest play caller of all time. He knows how to read things and see things. But it would be like Tom Brady huddling everybody up and calling a play. Let's get everybody together. Hey, you know, the play is X-22 Razor. And we get up there to the huddle. And then you say, all right. And you walk back off the field. It's the same thing as praying and not doing anything about it. You wouldn't know, Tom Brady Brady wouldn't be the greatest play caller of all time if you never ran to play. You got to put, you got to do something. You got to put action on what you're asking God or what God is asking of you. Because if you don't ever do anything, what's going to happen? Nothing. If the if only thing we do is huddle up on Sunday and celebrate and worship God, which is all great, how's anybody else ever going to know how great He is if we don't ever do nothing? God's telling Moses, get moving. you got to do something. You know what I've already told you to do. I'm asking you to have the faith to let me do it. Because... Moses has to tell the people, don't be afraid, just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. The crazy thing about the Lord is you don't even have to necessarily have it figured out or have all the skills and abilities. You just have to have the faith to show up. James, Jesus' half-brother in James 2 14 through 17 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. How many times, and I'm guilty of this, and and I believe this is why God convicted me to to say what I said and and have people hold me accountable to it. And I I think, uh, you know, I know y'all will probably hold me accountable to it to ask me, you know, later on, do do you know Jesus as good as your wife now? How often do we say, you know, well, I'll be praying for you. Well, I'll pray about that. Well, so-and-so's died or so-and-so's sick. Well, well, we'll be praying for them. If you don't ever do anything about it, how will people know how the goodness of God and what God did for you? How How do you think Moses led? It said there was... 
in the beginning of Exodus said there was about 600,000 men that left Egypt. That ain't counting women and children. So most people estimate around 2 million people he led. That's hard to wrap your mind around. We got to have action. You got to do something. I think there's a quote, uh, Michael Jordan or somebody says, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And when you do something, that's going to lead to motivation. Second thing I want to point out is action leads to motivation. It's not motivation that leads to action. How many times have you said, I need to start doing something. I need to start praying more. I need to start working out. I need to start spending time, more time with my kids. Or I need to read more to my kids. Or I need to start spending time with my wife. How many times have you said, I need to start doing something. We need to stop saying, I need to get motivated to take action. And we need to start saying, I need to take action to get motivated. Ah. This past year, you know, it said, you know, God doesn't want you and your wife to get together. Especially if both of you are believers and Christians and searching out for the Lord and going after the Lord. Because if both of you get together, then that's going to be twice as much power, right? So the devil divides and conquers and confuses and distorts. So for a while, I would say, I need to start praying with my wife. I would come home, Chrissy, we need to pray. Let's try to pray tonight. And guess what happened? We didn't pray. Every day, I'd come home. We need to start praying more. We need to pray together. We need to spend time with God together. And every time I would say that out loud, something would happen. And I started to realize the devil is not omniscient. The devil doesn't know everything like God. And when I say that out loud, the devil hears me. And from that point on, he starts to confuse and distract and distort. So I stopped saying it. And guess what? I started doing something about it. I took action. Instead of saying something, instead of saying I need to pray with my wife and telling her, hoping that she would motivate me to pray. How often do you, you start working out and you're like, I need to go to the gym or I need to get a personal trainer because I need somebody to holler at me to get me to lift weights or I need somebody to motivate me. You got to take action. So I took a step of faith because I didn't know, you know what would happen. Because when you take a, take a step of faith, you're scared of what? You're scared of being rejected or you're scared of not knowing what's going to happen so you don't normally take action. Well, I decided, well, if the devil hears me when I say that and he starts getting all up in the middle of that, I'm going to quit saying it. So when I got home one day and I just took Chrissy by the hands and started praying. And that gave us motivation to pray together after that and it started building on each other. And I started realizing, if, I, if you take action, if you just do something, that's what leads to motivation. Don't just say it all the time, do it. How often do we say or proclaim 
to be a Christian or to be whatever. And people look at us like, I don't want to be a part of that because you ain't no different than I am. I used to work at uh, Gideon Heating and Air, and uh, you know I was going to school, I was going to Liberty University and going to uh, and taking Bible classes and and trying to figure out what God wanted me to do, and uh, you know I was trying to be a good example. I was putting up a daily Bible verse on the about there by the time clock every day, and had some prayer cards and trying to, you know, be a good influence to my or, you know, uh, fellow employees, so to speak. And and uh, I wasn't really getting anywhere. Nobody was really responding or really saying anything. And, and uh, one day uh, a guy came to me and said, and this was over, you know, I've been putting them Bible verses up and asking about prayer requests for almost a year. And I was like, you know, kind of felt defeated because nobody was really responding. I noticed after a while, somebody came to me and he was like, uh, Nick, why does nothing ever bother you? You act like nothing ever bothers you. And that was what opened the door for me to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. And it, it wasn't by anything I said, it was by what I did, it was by my actions. People respond more to what you do than what you say. That's why Jesus, I believe, is telling Moses to get moving. I've already gave you something to do. You need to put action on it. And what did that do? That motivated the other people to walk through that sea. The other two million people. The story goes on in the Old Testament. In the book of Joshua, who was Moses' kind of predecessor, uh, he's now the commander-in-chief after Moses dies. And what does Jesus what does God say to, say to Joshua? He says the same thing. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up, why are you lying on your face like this? Well, what had happened? Joshua, they had just, in Joshua chapter 7, the chapter before, they had just got done marching around Jericho and the walls falling. How many of you know that story? They marched around Jericho seven times and they blow the horns and the walls. They had just had that huge victory. And Rahab, you know, leads the spies and hides them in her house. And they just had this huge victory. And what happens? One of the people, uh, Achan, Achan, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. They they burn everything in in Jericho and it's destroyed. and, and, And Joshua makes... A curse that that may the Lord on on anyone who tries to rebuild the city of Jericho, and uh, but but A can steal some things like you know when, most time when you win a battle you you, you know the vic, to the victor goes the spoils they get to plunder the camp and take what they want. Well, Joshua had made that curse on the city that nobody ever rebuild Jericho, 
and one of his people had stolen some stuff. In the very next battle, because God, Moses doesn't get to lead the people in the promised land, so he calls Joshua, but they have to defeat some people to, to, to get this promised land. So they have a, they're starting to have all these battles, right? Well, they have this next battle, and they get defeated because one guy didn't listen. So Joshua cries out to the Lord and says, Sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River? If you're going to let the Amorites kill us, if we'd only been content to stay on the other side, Lord, what am I to say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surrender us and wipe, wipe us off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? He's telling them to do something. One more thing I want to point out to you. If you pray first and you act second, and action leads to motivation, what happens when you're not motivated? What happens when you prayed, you acted, you got motivated, and time has passed, and you can't find any motivation anymore? you got to know why you're doing it, right? If you don't know why you're doing it, if you don't understand your purpose and you don't understand who God says you are, if you don't know what your identity is, then motivation is going to run out over time, right? Y'all remember when you first got saved? Well, that felt like you were on fire for the Lord, didn't you? You would go tell anybody. So you'd bring up anything that come up. You'd make an excuse as to, to bring up something about God. Man, it's hot outside today. You know what? It's hotter. Hell's hotter. If you don't believe in the Lord, he'll, you know, I'm saying, you, you, would, you remember when you first got saved, you would just, you didn't care. But over time, you, you become less motivated, right? Because I don't know why. I noticed in reading and studying through prayer that Abraham, you know, God gives Abraham a covenant, a promise. And it's almost 25 years before that promise is ever brought, come to pass. And then Abraham's son, Isaac, same thing. He gives Isaac the same promise. You're, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to have many kids. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And Isaac's like, well, I ain't even got no kids. My wife can't get pregnant. And they're 40 years old at the time. And it's 20 years before, they're 60 it's 20 years before she gets pregnant and has a kid. Something I noticed reading through there, Josh, Jacob, same thing. Something I noticed is, how did they last that long? What if God gave you a promise and it was 25 years before it got answered? Do you have the faith to hang on? How did they stay motivated? They stayed motivated because they stayed close to God. I think Bobby sometimes says 
God, just help me to stay so close to you that I don't miss what you're doing or what you're saying. If you don't know what God's purpose is for you or why you're doing it, your motivation will run out over time. I had to ask myself that. Why, why am I a pastor? Why am I up here preaching? I want, to, want people to know how much God loves them because He first loved me. Because as Kyle just said earlier this morning, Jesus paid a very high price for you to be free from sin, from you to... Scott sang a song called Jailbreak. You are free indeed. And Jesus paid that price. And once I realized how much God loved me, I understood that, hey, I don't want to be the only one that knows this, that feels this, experiences this. I want to, be, I want to tell people. That's my why. I want people to know how much God loves them because He loved me when I didn't deserve any of it. Kelsey, I think, gave Kyle an illustration, and I'm going to steal it. Uh, Jesus gave you a free gift, right? But you think you got to earn it. Be the same thing as somebody saying, You need a car. And somebody comes along and says, here, you can, you can have my car. And it's a nice car. It's the nicest car you've ever seen, ever had. It's a Lamborghini or a Rolls Royce. I mean, it's a, the nicest car. It, it, and you don't deserve it. And you can't understand why they give it to you. And they let you drive it and say, here, it's yours. I've already paid for it and bought it. It's to be the same thing as you going back and saying, Going back to the dealership and saying, I need to make payments on this weekly because I, I don't deserve this. I didn't earn it. That don't make any sense, does it? Jesus paid a high enough price for us and bought us and His blood is paid for my sins. And the more I understand that, the more I want to tell people about it. And the closer, the more I pray and the closer I stay to God, that's why I understand why. And that's what motivates me to keep going. D.L. Moody uh, brought up a quote or used to say something that uh, that is a quote and it <laughs> says, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully surrendered to Him. And I started to, you know, I thought about that and I didn't, and I was like, the world did see what a man can do when he's fully surrendered to God because that was Jesus. And what happened? He paid a price for all our sins because he was fully surrendered. The very end of that quote, D.L. Moody says, I aim to be that man. I strive to be that man, to be fully surrendered. The last thing I want to say is, 
If you go back to Moses in the Red Sea, in one act, God saved his people and punished the Egyptians. And, and through this event, God has gotten the glory over Pharaoh, right? And he showed the whole world that there's no other God like Israel's God. There's no other God like my God. There's no other God like your God. The parting and closing of the Red Sea is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did on the cross for us. In Exodus 14, 13 through 14, he says, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. The Lord himself will fight for you. Like God did for Israel, Jesus does it for us. We just get to look at God fighting for us and winning our salvation on the cross just like Moses and the Israelites got to see the Red Sea parted and their enemy conquered. In one act, God saved His people and defeated sin. Why? Because He loves you. He loves you just as much as He loves Jesus. You look at John 17, 23, it says something kind of like that. He loves you just as much as Jesus, his one and only son. And we are his children. But guess what? You got to get moving. You got to get up. You got to do something. In Exodus 15, right after chapter 14, they cross the Red Sea. They sing a victory song. They're praising and shouting. It made me think of the song, I'm going to see a victory. It goes, I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to see a victory because the battle's already been won. Do you know that? Do you believe that? That's what motivates me to keep moving, to get moving. Yes, you should pray. You should be close to God all the time. But God also asks you to do something about it. So what are you doing about it? That's the last thing I want to leave you with. What am I doing about it? Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege to be able to, to share your word. Thank you for, for the privilege to be able to, to come together and, and worship you and praise you. And, and dear Lord, thank you just for reminding me of just how much you love us and, and what you did for us and what you continue to do for us. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving us while we were still yet sinners. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for stories that remind us that, that you fight for us. You stand in the gap for us. You're always there. I pray, dear Lord, that if there's anybody watching, listening in this room right now that that needs to respond to you, that they just they will, whatever the circumstance, whether they they don't know you or whether they do know you, and, and maybe just uh, 
got away from you or, or haven't acted on some of the things they told you told them to do, dear Lord. I pray that we'll all act, dear Lord, because the only way people know and see you is if we act. You give us, before you left and went back to heaven, you give us a, you told us what to do. You give us a command and help us just to act on that. Thank you for loving us enough to to still talk to us and bless us even though we don't listen and act all the time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the access to you. Thank you for Jesus paying that high price and tearing the veil so that we can talk to you anytime. Help us remember how blessed and privileged we are. And, and uh, I just pray that if there's anybody that doesn't know that, they'll just respond to you, God. I ask it all in your name. Amen.